The scripture tonight is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is the word of the Lord. All right, if you will, um, let's put our hands together to welcome Verlin McGaskey to preach tonight. Verlin. Good evening, everyone. Um, this is a very humbling experience for me. Um, it's me being obedient to God in, in doing what he's been calling me to do for a very long time. And so there, I, I'm likely to be pretty emotional. So um, bear with me as I try to share a little bit tonight. Um, pray for me and pray for the message that it will edify and build up the body. Um, so Jesse gave a very simple introduction to me. Uh, and, and so let me tell you a little bit more about who I am for those who don't know. Um, Again, my name is Ferlin McGaskey, and I am an instructional developer at the University of Tennessee, uh, and I've worked there for about three years. In addition to that, I am also um, an associate of an organization called Collaborative Communication Practices. And collaborative communication um, is a process of relationship building. Um, and you here at All Souls have been um, open and gracious enough to embrace understanding this and think about how you might use it um, both in your body and beyond. And Doug asked me to share a little bit about my thoughts about how collaborative communication or what we affectionately call CC, how it applies to the work of the church, how it aligns with scripture, and how it builds up individual members. Um, and so that's what I'm going to try to do, and that's all I'm going to say I'm going to do is try, um, my, with my goal being one thing, um, and I hope you can uh, accept this, when we think about what's needed in the world and within the body, when we think about the brokenness and the pain and the suffering and the sorrow that we carry with us, and often it lingers even after we come to be a part of the church, we have to think about the ways in which we as a body can support one another. And one of those ways to think about it is thinking about the ways in which we communicate with each other, in which we try to connect with one another. And it is my opinion and those who are also part of CC 
that there needs to be a different way in which we communicate to build those deep and meaningful relationships. The tools that we have that are prominent in the world, that we use every day, being polite or engaging in debate, are not suited or well-suited to build up someone who's broken, to build up someone who's wounded. And so what we believe is that CC is that tool, that process that can be used both within the church and beyond the church to have the profound impact that God wants us to have on each other and the world. So we started, so if we want to think about this, and let me, well, let me step back for a second. Um, Doug asked me to um, come up with a few questions um, for the small groups this week. And so how many of you use those questions? Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I didn't mean to want, I didn't want to put that out there, but uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> we'll see how that works in the future. Um, but those questions that I, uh, I shared were really all about community and building authentic community. And I, I wanted to inquire into this idea of what do we need from each other to be able to be in community with one another and communion with one another? If we're wanting to be vulnerable and share, what do we need from each other to be able to do that? Now, the Bible suggests that there are some ways in which that can happen, right? Some things that we're called to do. And, of course, um, the passage that was just read, of course, suggests some of the things that we can do, of course. It, it says that um, we need not be selfish. We need to be humble. We need to put others ahead of ourselves, to think about them more highly than we think about ourselves in that context. Another scripture that I think is also useful is Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. And it says, I encourage you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So this, along with the other passage, suggests this unity and bond that we need to form with one another, that these individual members of the body must come together as one and support one another, bearing one another's burdens, keeping a unity among one another, being patient and humble. So these are the things that we're called to do. Now, for me... When I read the Bible, I see the things I'm called to do, but I have to wonder, how do I get there? Because being called to do something does not necessarily give you a roadmap to doing that thing. And so you have to think about, well, how do you do this? How can I, 
when my nature calls me to be self-interested, do I humble myself? Do I value someone ahead of myself? Do I give deference to them in, in, when, when it's called to do so? How can I be part of a union and a body when I want to stand alone, when I want to be recognized separate from, from everyone else? When I, want to be, when I want to attain what I want to attain ahead of others? Well, for me, and this began a long time ago when I first began to study collaborative communication, um, then called reflective practice. I went to the instructor who had been developing this concept for over 20 years, John Peters, and I said to him, you know, I've been studying with you, and I know how we use it here in academia, and it works. It, 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 it meets the purposes that we have within this context. But I see a greater context for this. I see something more. I see it having greater impact on the hearts and souls of individuals. I see it changing relationships and transforming people. And he looked at me and he said, well, I don't think that's my work, but I think that's your work. I think that's something you have to take up. And to be honest, I didn't do that. Even though I believed it fervently and it made sense to me, I, I couldn't bring myself to finding a place in the space where I could try out that idea. And that's why I'm so thankful for Lisa Murray, because she stepped into it. I shared that with her many years ago. And she, we, of course, are close friends. And when she saw an opportunity here in this body, she remembered that and took a step into it and brought me along with her. And I'm very thankful for that. So I think those of us who believe in CC and collaborative communication think it, it's so well aligned with the purposes of the church because it does lead to the practice of individuals being humble. So let me tell you a little bit about CC for those of you who don't know what it is. Collaborative communication, its underlying goal is relationship building through a dialogic process or approach. So it's about bringing people together in dialogue to build relationships. And the way that that happens is that, in fact, we have to treat each individual as valuable, and in some cases treat some people as more valuable or more valued at an instance than ourselves in order to create the space and the place for people to be heard. And in a world where people are broken and hurt and maimed, the power of being heard and recognized is life-giving. And I think the church is about giving life to people. I think the church is called to take the bruised reeds and the wicks that are almost out and not have them extinguished or broken, but to build them up 
in the way that God has built up us. He is calling us to use ourselves and humble ourselves to help people feel completely who they are and who he's calling them to be and who he has destined them to be. And in the process of collaborative communication using certain tools, that happens quite naturally. So let me tell you a little bit about the tools that are particularly useful and the tools that I think Scripture supports. So one of the first tools is climate building. So you have to build a climate in which individuals can be brave enough to be vulnerable with one another. And God calls us to be vulnerable with one another. He calls us to bring our pain and our suffering and our woes to one another, that we bear it together, to lighten that load. So climate building is integral in shaping and helping someone be transformed from someone who's weak and broken into someone who is strong. Another another component of collaborative communication is listening. And we've already talked a good bit about listening already tonight. But with listening, we listen with a different purpose. Instead of listening to tell our stories, instead of listening to pick apart someone's experience, We listen to understand who they are and what they are experiencing. We listen with the intent to hear who they are and to understand their condition. This is an entirely different way than we often listen to one another. This is a way of listening that, again, demonstrates what the verse has said about being humble. Because when you listen with that intent, when you listen with that purpose, you can't help but silence your own thinking or silence your own inclination to speak. And then along with listening comes questioning. There's a certain way that we question with CC and collaborative communication that is different than Well, not necessarily different, but holistically creates a different environment for people. So we have, we engage in open-ended questions, which again allow an individual to tell their story, to shape it in the way that they need to shape it, to express it from their own vantage point and their own perspective. We also engage in uh, clarifying questions those questions that keep us from making assumptions about what someone's saying and asking exactly what they mean. So often in our lives, because of time and what we feel we're required to do, we like to make assumptions and short-circuit our interactions with people. And that, to me, in some way, again, creates a, a circumstance and a situation in which that person does not have value. And if we think about what Christ did for valueless people like we were, 
There is just no way that we can treat someone else in that respect. And then finally, a sign of hospitality is what we call the ask back. The ask back is based on the idea that there is always a motive, there is always an intent behind someone's question to you. And as a sign of hospitality, I'm going to inquire into your thinking. Why did you ask me that question? What are you thinking? And not in that negative way that sometimes what are you thinking comes out to be, but in a more positive way, in an actual way that gets at what someone is thinking. So when we put all of those pieces together in in a process, a dialogic process, what we find and what I've experienced over and over again is that it creates this wonderful revealing of the experiences and the conditions that exist among the people participating. Because it's a safe space, because it's a non-judgmental space, people are free to share exactly what they want to share, to investigate and inquire into the ideas and the thoughts that they have, which I think is what we want. But I think that God wants us to be able to put it all out there And not necessarily to accept it, but to have others contribute to our thinking through their sharing of their stories and their perspectives. What it ultimately gives us is a more clearer view of what we're looking at and what we're talking about and what we're thinking of. And the experience of doing that has been profound. But I want to share that in a little bit. I want to make sure that as I talk about this, that you understand that I think about it in terms of the scriptures, that I see that there is alignment there. And so, of course, with the two verses that have already been read, the passages from Philippians and then again from Ephesians, we see a clear relationship between this idea of being humble, and bearing one another's burdens, and this process that allows individuals to reveal themselves and share their joys and sorrows, and for us to think with them about that together and to share that. Certainly, in the passage with, in, in Philippians, it talks about being deep-spirited friends, And this idea of creating a space in which someone can share themselves and they then be responded to with empathy and compassion and love certainly goes a long way in fostering that kind of friendship and relationship. So just between those two passages, we begin to see that, yes, This idea, though it may have started in academia, is something that God is working through to build up the body. A few other passages and verses that go along with it that I think align with it, of course, 
are, of course, James 1 and 19. My beloved brothers, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. This idea of quick to listen. I know for myself, I've gotten myself in a lot of trouble by being more quick to speak and and slow to listen. I've made assumptions about people. I've kept, I've, I've negatively impacted relationships. I've given advice that was not wanted. And I've caused irreparable harm to some relationships. And when we talk about the church and the body and each member needing to be built up in order for that unity to take place. That can't happen. We have to be more conscious and more caring. Because if one part of us is damaged, then how can we have the profound effect on the world that God is calling us to have? In addition to James, there are some other other, um, passages Colossians, that they may be encouraged in heart, knit together in love and filled with the full riches of complete understanding so that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. For me, when I think about almost anything that I assume that I know, what has been revealed to me in collaborative communication and life itself is that there are multiple vantage points and views and frames to look at that through, to see it. People's reality with a concept or a topic can be very narrow, and we don't see the full range of it. It's like that um, wonderful story about the blind men and the elephant, right? We get one perspective of what an elephant is if we only look at its trunk or its skin or its tail or its foot. But when we engage in a dialogue that allows us to all share our experiences, we get a fuller view of what it is that we are speaking of. And that then gives us more to act upon. That gives us more to tie our understanding to and how we can then go forward with one another. Of course, Proverbs 1 and 5 states that a wise man will hear and increase his learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. So a wise man will hear and increase his learning. One of the the best parts of uh, being in academia is this idea that there is always something to learn and someone to learn from. And I think sometimes, I know for me initially, I thought once I had acquired a certain level of maturity in Christ that I knew everything, that I knew everything I needed to know. But what collaborative communication has done, particularly with this body, has increased my understanding of things of God and have helped me see things in ways that I couldn't possibly see alone. 
have expanded my, my conception of what God is calling people to do, who he brings in to be part of his kingdom. All of those come out of being in communication and willing, no matter how old or young or how many years you've been following Jesus, that there is still something to learn from someone else. And then finally, Luke 2 and 46 demonstrates that Jesus, at a very young age, engaged in these practices. Finally, after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. We can never stop listening and asking questions if we intend to grow in Christ. So, in thinking about this, in thinking about what the outcomes of CC can be on the body as individuals and potentially more broadly within the community as you seek shalom, you all have the experience of many people sharing their story that have already gone through CC training. And there's some really beautiful stories of how people have been changed by the process people recognizing their shortcomings, people recognizing that they had not gotten so far as to demonstrate fully humility and care and love and support of one another. And that led to them then changing their action and their reaction to that. Other people shared how now they're more comfortable being present with an individual, not seeking to move the conversation ahead, not attempting to try to get out of it, but just sitting and bearing witness to the experiences of a fellow journeyer in Christ. And some have been able to ask and explore questions about their faith and other issues that they've never felt comfortable exploring. And what that has led to is a growing of their faith and a, and a growing of, in, in Christ. And, of course, CC offers other, other opportunities, the transformations that people make as they become more and more like him, the safe space that allows us to explore without explore everything without fear or judgment or disdain. And it creates an environment that is truly deep, that leads to truly deep and meaningful experiences shared between individuals. And I know for me that those have been the most rewarding and have been the most transformational. I now have a dear friend, who is just the opposite of who I am. He's 6'2", military, white, Republican. (laughs) And I know that there's no one that I can turn to any sooner than him, that he will be there for me and I will be there for him. Because in that experience of sharing, we found that we were both individuals searching for meaning and purpose and following our call in the world. And there were barriers to that, 
But when we became obedient to the call, doors began to open. Out of those experiences, those deep and meaningful experiences, come greater empathy, understanding, and love. And of course, that is what transforms us. Love transforms us. It transforms our relationships with one another. It moves us from letting petty, small things pull us apart to recognizing that there's something core that we stand on and believe in and that this is what bounds us together. It allows the word of God and our, our commitment to that to be more important than any political beliefs, any political ideologies. It allows us to really form that bond of peace that is called for. And when we can have that, then we can have the effect that we want on the community. All souls can actually seek the peace in a way in the, of the city in a way that's more profound than they could ever imagine. This is what I want for your body. This is what I believe God called me to do to help your body become, to use this tool to build the kinds of relationships that transform who you are and who you are with one another and transforms this city. It has been the most exciting and rewarding thing that I've ever done in my life. And I'm so blessed that you all answered God's call to implement it here. So when I started this talk, I told you that my goal for you was to understand that if we want deep and meaningful relationships, if we want the comradeship, the unity, the peace, the strength that God wants his body to have, then being polite is not enough because being polite is surface and never gets below to the heart of things. And debate won't get us there because those focusing on those topics only pull us apart. But when we can seek to understand, show empathy and love one another, then we can have that which God has called us to have and to be in this world. May God bless you and keep you. Amen.